Challenges remaining on Memorial Day, which is day two of the 2021 French Open. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by the woman who called today's big news live on the air for NBC Sports, uh, Mary Crillo. Mary Crillo, thank you for coming on NCR once again. Uh, hello, Ben. And I, I, I think you might have been listening because uh, I think you noted that John McEnroe was very quiet and, and he's he was- not normally like that. It takes a lot to make McEnroe, McEnroe speechless for sure, as any any was, casual viewer will know. He was sitting back. He, you know, I'm 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 calling the matches from Stanford, Connecticut, the NBC studio there. John is in his home in Malibu, and I got to tell you, he was just sitting back in his chair, and for mm. long periods of time, he was just very quiet. Yeah. So the news, obviously, that that silenced him and and, and shook a lot of people, and or, or certainly was upsetting to a lot of people. This news uh, that came across, it wasn't a complete shock, but still, you know, pretty, pretty stark when you see it, that Naomi Osaka pulled out of the French Open today on Monday, which is day two, after winning her first round match on day one, and then receiving a uh, $15,000 fine and other, other sort of threats from the, the Grand Slams in response to her pre-meditated refusal to go to press during the tournament, saying that she wasn't uh, feeling up for it. She pulled out today and put out a long statement, which, uh, which I'll read, and then we can talk about it just what your thoughts were as you saw this come across the wire while you were on air. So uh, mm-hmm. sort of, Hey everyone, this isn't a situation I ever imagined or intended when I posted a few days ago. I think now the best thing for the tournament, the other players and my well-being is that I withdraw so that everyone can get back to focusing on the tennis going on in Paris. I never wanted to be a distraction and I accept that my timing was not ideal and my message could have been clearer. More importantly, I would never trivialize mental health or use the term lightly. The truth is that I've suffered long bouts of depression since the U.S. Open in 2018, and I've had a really hard time coping with that. Anyone that knows me knows I'm introverted, and anyone that has seen me at the tournaments will notice that I'm often wearing headphones, as that helps dull my social anxiety. Though the tennis press has always been kind to me, and I want to apologize especially to all the cool journalists who I may have hurt, I am not a natural public speaker, and get huge waves of anxiety before I speak to the world's media. I get really nervous and find it stressful to always try to engage and give you the best answers I can. So here in Paris, I was already feeling vulnerable and anxious, so I thought it was better to exercise self-care and skip the press conferences. I announced it preemptively because I do feel like the rules are quite outdated in parts, and I wanted to highlight that. I wrote privately to the tournament, apologizing and saying that I would be more, more than happy to speak with them after the tournament, as the slams are intense. I'm going to take some time away from the court now. But when the time is right, I really want to work with the tour to discuss ways we can make things better for players, press, and fans. Anyways, hope you all are doing well and staying safe. Love you guys. I'll see you when I see you. So you you read a lot of that also over the air as it was sort of breaking news that was definitely quickly superseded, you know, Sanga Nishioka or whatever sort of match was on (laughs) today, this afternoon. Um, what, what were your thoughts? And, and obviously, obviously, you know, we've talked about this. It's been the talk of the tournament even before it, it, yeah. it reached a sort of a conclusion, I think, today. But what, what was your what was your reaction to seeing that it had, it had come to this? Well, I mean, and, and we've talked about this over the last several days, a bunch of us. I mean, she how many more things could she do, Ben? Wasn't yeah. she pretty much in a corner by by this point? It was too, it was rough. I, and I and I think that the last one she wrote, that last message was full of apology, full of contrition. Um, but more than anything, it shows that she's got to take a break. 
Uh, I mean, I, to me, it seems like, and, and look, you and Courtney, to my mind, know, know Naomi Osaka more than anybody. And, and I, 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 wonder, I wonder if you knew that she might not be dispositionally suited for all the fame and fortune yeah. and all these, I mean, so many contracts that she's got now. I think her life has gotten very crowded. And I think maybe she, she has felt that, again, that 2018 US Open she's talking about is when she beat Serena and there was booing all over the place and she won her first major and she handled it with such grace. But I think her, I think maybe right now she feels like she belongs to too many people. Is that what you yeah. think? Well, I think that's, I think, I think it's been a lot, a whole lot, really, really fast in terms of fame, you know, pressure, notoriety, symbolic power, you know, money and, and the obligations and pressures that come with that and corporate, you know, commercial deals and things like that. It's been a lot. And I do think talking about, you know, Courtney and I knowing Naomi for a long time, I think when she first came on tour and obviously Courtney was there, she's talked about plenty of times she was there in Stanford when uh, Naomi as a qualifier beat Sam Stoser uh, in the first round of 2014, way back. And then I saw her for the first time I saw her Wimbledon qualifying in 2015, I think. And then I saw her, I interviewed her for the first time, 2016, Australia. And then like, she was sort of, you know, she called herself a child of the internet in the, in the interview we did and talked about how she just sort of spent a lot of time alone, you know, mm. being, you know, involved in sort of internet culture and, and memes and jokes and stuff like that. And would make a lot of jokes about her sort of, you know, social anxiety or her, her awkwardness around people and her introvertedness. And, that was always sort of, you know, if you go back to her, you know, people today were scrolling through her, you know, 20 circa 2016, 2017 tweets and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of, you know, self-deprecating talk about that, you know, and usually yeah, joke form about, you know, looking at her phone to get out of awkward situations and things like that. And I feel like with, with Naomi, maybe there was this sort of narrative or people glossed over, I guess, in sort of her transformation from being this sort of like awkward, let's call her, you know, awkward sort of duckling into a, a swan or something that, you know, made her like suddenly completely metamorphosized into some right. big superhero. But, you know, maybe that was, that was, you know, less, you know, complete or less, you know, completely transformative than, than it was sort of packaged as, you know, maybe she still is. And as she's saying, you know, still, it feels a lot of social anxiety and, and is put in a lot more high pressure situations there. So, so that part, you know, when you, when you stop and think about it, yeah, this was, she is who she told us she was from the beginning. And That's then, true. and then I think that maybe she, yeah, just sort of had, you know, felt able or felt, I don't know if she felt ready to put those things, you know, aside or, or, and has wrestled with that recently or where exactly she, she sits with that. But yeah, it, it's not complete hearing Naomi Osaka talk about feeling social anxiety rings, very true to the Naomi Osaka I first met, that's for sure. Well, Ben, remember we were in Charleston a couple of years ago and Naomi came in and I asked her if she knew who Luna Lovegood was, remember, mm -hmm. from Harry Potter? I do remember this, I do remember this. <laughs> and, and I happen to love that character because she's trippy, you know, and unique and sweet. And I, I don't know, the way Naomi walks in the world reminded me uh, of, of her. And she did remember, she said, is that the blonde one who's weird? And I said, yes. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that's how I look. I haven't liked anybody as much as Naomi Osaka since Lee Na. Hmm. You know, she is, and, and Lee Na was the same way. She was very authentic and she was a lot of fun to talk to. And the media blackout felt so wrong to me. I mean, she, we love her in the media. You know, the fans love her. I, I wish she 
I wish he understood how how beloved uh, she has been ever since she showed up. You know. Yeah, I think I think that's right, and I think that's sort of I think what you're saying is it speaks to sort of I think a lot of people need to being caught off guard by the first statement, and I think mm -hmm. seeing the second statement, and I think the first statement we can get to this a little bit later sort of became a referendum on the media in ways and this whole sort of thing was framed around the media when I think it's pretty clear from the second statement, this is way more, um, yes. a, a mental health conversation. Right. And that, and yes, the media can be, can be tricky and can, can be exacerbating. And, you know, we'll talk, we can talk about, you know, possible things the media can learn from all this. And that's, those conversations are worth having. Absolutely. But I do think this is, is more about, you know, Naomi going through, going through a tough time and, and getting, you know, find trying to find space and room and time yeah. and peace where she can. And if she thought that she could, you know, improve her situation by eliminating one possible stressor, which was the the post match media press conferences that she honed in on the first time, that that was that was always fine with me. I mean, I wasn't somebody who, you know, was saying, "Oh, you must do this." I, I thought the I thought the initial compromise she made of "I'll not do it and take the fine every time," I was sort of at peace with that. That at least for me, I don't I don't know how you felt, but but that I, that I could I could I saw that being workable, and then and then the grand slams did not. The Grand Slam is, you know, drew a pretty, pretty clear line in, in the sand. And like you said, I think, yeah, she was sort of cornered, I guess. I mean, mm -hmm. how, what, what did you think of, of how, of, I guess, the first statement to back up to that and then and how and how the tennis world reacted to it and or and the I outside mean, world, too? Cause it was it was noisy. It was a lot of a lot of thoughts around this. It was I mean, it was uh, the first statement, I think, caught so many of us off guard because it was such a, a muddled message. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not like players are, they're not forced to do too, too much, let's face it. And frankly, it's getting harder and harder to speak to any athlete. I mean, they can leapfrog right over the media if they want and just do their own branding on their own, on TikTok or Twitter or Instagram or whatever they're doing. So to my mind, it's getting worse and worse. And I think it's important to note that there's not been one player who has said, yeah, I'm not going to talk to them either. I'll, I'll eat the fine. I mean, I think, I think most players understand that we want to hear what they say. And, and I also don't think there's, I mean, there, you, you got your chowder heads that ask goofy questions, but for the most part, and I think that's why she apologized in this last message, for the most part, she knows that we're trying to do our jobs. We're getting up middle of the night, Zoom calls during the pandemic. I mean, it's, it has not been easy. And the kid, as I said, she is, we really like her. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was misplaced and misguided. And I'm glad that she walked back that part. And I, I do wonder what she means when she wants to speak with the powers that be to talk about a better way to handle it. Because, I mean, if she doesn't, if, if the athletes no longer speak to the media or don't have to speak to the media, then what? <laughs> what are we supposed to do? That's that's a big question. That's sort of been one of the sort of existential questions from this for, you know, sport and sports media conversations. And a lot of the the commentary from outside tennis and God knows there's been a lot from, you know, mm. all sorts of, you know, usual suspects in, in media, you know, your Piers Morgans and your Candace Owens is weighing in with their, <laughs> with their various brain trusts. Like, I, I think that one of the things that's come up from more, from more supportive, that was, um, those are people who've been very negative towards Osaka, but the more supportive people, and it's sort of fallen along predictable lines as, as these things go, the more supportive side has been saying, Essentially, it should have been doable to have her, you know, opt out of this, if, of these, of this side of the of the job or of this side of the tournament or just side of, you know, they saying her job is to play. She should just be able to play and to not to the media and accommodations should be made. 
the Grand Slams really, you know, came out very hard against that quickly. Uh, the first time that she, once she officially didn't do the first match post-press, they waited until after, you know, she actually followed through with her, with her word, from her words. And once they did that, they, you know, came up with a statement, $15,000 fine, threatened to, uh, you know, kick her out of the tournament and, and possibly suspend her for further violations. Um, I thought I, that though, yeah. what, that, didn't you feel like that was a message to all the other players? I thought like, so too. I think that was, yeah, that's what I thought too. It was a message of, I mean, it was harsh, but it was also a message of sort of support to, every, to all the other players, I think as well. Like, you know, they, 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 framed, they, they framed it as, they framed it as not wanting to give Osaka, you know, preferential treatment or favoritism or competitive advantage, even saying it's not fair to the competition if you, you know, are able to shrug off this part of, of the duty. And that, and that's one of the things that I, I said to somebody on Twitter at some point today, I've tried, you know, only respond to oh, 1% God. of the messages or so that I'm getting, which is probably still too much. But someone said, you know, I said something about how I understand her stepping back. It was after she pulled out. I said, I understand her stepping back because if the pressures of being at a grand slam were, were too much then th for her, this point of her mental well-being. And this was kind of the only choice she had. And someone said, well, it wasn't the playing at the Grand Slam that was the problem, it was the speaking. And I said, those things, talking to the media is an extra, I think, and obviously bias is media, but I also think people, players believe this too, uh, inextricably part of, you know, the Grand Slam experience. You know, it's part of, it's yeah. part of the, the contract that they sign when they, you know, come to do a tournament. And if she didn't want to fulfill that part of the contract, I, I, I understand it being untenable. I understand people from the outside think there should be, you know, a workaround of some kind or, or dispensations. But I also understood the Grand Slams not wanting to let that be a, a precedent, even if this is the, the payoff. That's that's sort of where I think that's where a lot of the division is now, like how much accommodation could there or should there have been? Yeah, I, again, it's isn't it about the only mandatory thing players are asked to do? I mean, they don't have to do. Lord knows I'm, I'm in the world of TV. We get blown off all the time. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and if players want to create their own messaging of, of how they feel or whatever, there's plenty of people who do that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I would love to hear if she actually has thoughts about how this could be made better. But if you are like us, if you're part of the press, the media, I mean, if players, if athletes uh, have a total stranglehold on their messaging, then we're we're in hot soup, you know? Yeah, and it, and it and it leaves the and it leaves the pro. I think the other thing that I sort of thought this is a lot of the sort of referendum on press conferences has not really appreciated the role they play in you know creating stories or or quotes or whatever. They just sort of see them as people highlight the the sort of most inane parts of them. And certainly there are plenty of inane parts of of press conferences and plenty of of bad questions that usually aren't verging on you know cruel or thoughtless or or mean or anything. They're just sort of you know goofy, dumb. That, goofy, not goofy. Yeah, no, there's I mean, there's very very little. That I would I've ever experience, I would consider malicious. Yeah, but you know the kid is sensitive. There, there's yeah. no doubt yeah. about it. And and Ben, we have seen we have seen people who have needed to take breaks. Um, and Ash Barty, she left she left the, the game for a while. Everything yeah. was overwhelming her, swollen expectations of her because she was such a good junior. Played cricket for a while, then came back. Now she's the number one player in the world. Yeah. Jennifer Capriati had emotional, mental, and some physical issues. And she stepped back. And when she showed back up again, she played the best tennis of her career. I mean, I, th I think you just have, have to have a good sense of, of what your soul needs, you know? And, and let me tell you something. I, I, I will never forget. I mean, even the people who, are, who look so pulled together, 
and there aren't a lot of them. I mean, look at Iga Shvantec, for instance, you know, who enjoy, uh, Tsitsipas loves to talk to, talk to us, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he over explains himself. Yeah. I will yeah. never forget at the US Open years ago, I went down to the court from the booth to talk to Chris Everett. And Chris, Chrissy had played what I considered to be a routine match. I couldn't even really think of anything good to ask her. And as she was, we were in a commercial, as she was putting her rackets in her bag, she just quietly said to me, can you help me get my fingers off of the racket? They, I mean, mm. they had cracked up. Chris Everett, I mean, who on earth was, you know, was better with stress than that woman? I, so I, I get it. I understand that people get overwhelmed and I, and I do, I, and and that people can be filled with corrosive doubts as Naomi seems to be right now. But I, I have appreciated that to a man and woman, every player has as much as they respect Naomi and support her, they say, yeah, no, we understand, we understand our obligations to the yeah. press. That was one of the things that was, that was when I first did the show, you know, in the statement, that's <laughs> our third and thankfully, I hope final episode on this topic for a while. Um, as this story has developed. When I first did the first show with Timani, we were not sure how other players would react to this statement, what the sort mm-hmm. of reception would be. And and you're right, the other players were not really echoing her, her thoughts. And it's kind of interesting because some of the players who you might think would be more sympathetic to her in terms of, are actually just by happenstance of the order of play, or people who have we haven't seen come in yet. Serena was late. I mean, Serena was one of the, certainly the, one of the more sympathetic people so far. Uh, towards, yeah, tell, tell, towards... tell me what Serena said. Well, Serena said, first she got asked about, did you ever come into a press conference feeling it was really super anxious or, you know, in your career or concerned about it? And she said, you know, absolutely. She was Peter Bodo. And she said, yeah, you know that, Peter. That's what she said. Like, I've had many, many times in my career I've been where I've been, uh, it's been very difficult to walk into the press room in those moments, but it made me stronger is what her first answer was. And then her second. Yeah, thing I think is, she said something about having thicker skin, right? Well, 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 I think she was talking about her her build actually in terms of the thing. Oh, in terms, sorry. Of the, in terms of the thickness, as Serena is wont to do. But in the second answer was about uh, she got asked uh, about when you look back over all that transpired with Naomi. Essentially, what are your feelings? Um, what's your view? And she said, the only thing I feel is that I feel for Naomi. I, f- I feel like I wish I could give her a big hug because I know what it's like. I've been in those positions. We have different personalities, and people are different. Not everyone is the same. I'm thick. She said, other people are thin. Everyone is different and everyone handles things differently. You just have to let her handle it the way she wants to in the best way she thinks she can. And that's the only thing I can say. I think she's doing the best that she can. And I guess that sort of, I mean, the question of how any of this could have been handled better in the last week. And I mean, one thing I wish is that sort of that the Osaka team had been able to powwow, you know, before this message or something. Because I just don't think that, and, and and potentially, you know, get her out of the tournament before it started. I right. think, you know, because I, I do think this was going to be untenable. Maybe they didn't recognize that. And maybe they sort of overestimated her her ability to make this standard to, to, to sway, to sway, to bend the, the rules in her, her favor. Maybe they overestimated how stern this rule is, because this is not, you know, the sort of code violations you see fines for. This is not one of the ones we've ever seen sort of a, escalate into a major level offense the way the Grand Slams board you know phrased it it's usually that's right. usually for things you know various you know hitting a line judge in the, in the throat or threatening to cut <laughs> things we've seen in the past at the u.s open so i yeah i i i think overall the stepping back maybe could have happened pre-tournament but if this was sort of the if they had to sort of test the waters to get there and 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 
I, but I also just find it hard to believe that if she was in feeling in such rough shape mentally in terms of the talking side that she was really ready to play the tournament itself. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, a, it's a lot to step on the court, you know, with a 14, 15 match Grand Slam win streak. If you're, if you're not feeling, not feeling it, that, that just struck me as, as putting herself in, uh, in, in right into the fire, honestly. I don't know. I, you know, the, the questions that it seems have hurt her so much. And she mentioned one, uh, or Mary, her, her, her sister said that one of her family members, you know, told her she wasn't good on clay, whatever. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm surprised that that would wound her so much, you know, and believe me, then I think she will survive her despair, but that, that she could be that fragile. Somebody who we have seen her play so well under incredible pressure in magnificent moments, you know, in, in winning big matches, big majors. That was a little surprising to me. And, and more than one player uh, in response to the questions about Naomi have said, like, basically, <laughs> they couch it better than this. Basically, they, they say, I don't care what the press says. <laughs> I don't care what my fans say. Like, they don't, you know, yeah. um, which but is get- probably what you're supposed to do with that kind of stuff. I mean, the questions are legit. Like, you know, what are you going to do to make this clay court season better? I mean, that's, there's no malice attached to that, yeah. right? Absolutely. No, absolutely not. But I think it's just a question, like you mentioned before, of the sensitivity. You know, everyone can be calibrated differently and everyone can sort of bruise in different ways at different times. And, you know, if, if she's not in a good mental state or mental mental space with, with how she's feeling and, 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 and mentioned the word depression and, and since that's been an issue for, for years, um, you know, potentially you know, triggered or brought on by that 2018 U.S. Open, which is rough to think about. And obviously, we all yeah. remember how terrible that and potentially traumatic that experience had to have been for her, you know, seeing her. Yeah. It doesn't have to make, and this is something I was saying, I think in the first show too, like it doesn't have to make necessarily sense. I, I was surprised at that too, that her framing of sort of like having my confidence shaken was, she was talking about being so bad, but I, I didn't know what her mental state was and still can't possibly know. And even honestly, even like, you know, Mari, you mentioned her sister in the, uh, in the, her Reddit post, which got deleted and taken down. She can't totally know either what Naomi's, how things are affecting her, you know, inside Naomi's head. And she might know better what the sort of the triggers are. And if losing a match to Pagula and feeling like you're walking towards a disappointing French Open result, which I think she probably did feel like she was, uh, was Mm -hmm. really, really rattling her to her core, even if it doesn't feel proportionate from the outside. It's not always about, you know, logic and these sorts of sorts of things and and, yeah, I saw something on Twitter from tennis writer uh, Hannah Wilkes, who said something paraphrase on the lines of like you know one of the tough things about having depression or being in these moments is you lose the ability to communicate what you what you need and what you're you know going mm-hmm. through well and that's one of the biggest challenges of it and i think that sort of speaks to like you said sort of the, the muddled first message we got last uh thursday or so that it was it was tough to just it was tough to really pick out what the except for the phrase mental health it was tough to figure out exactly what was what was going on with her and if in the last year or so if you haven't felt any kind of depression, you're just not paying attention. No, and, and the thing is, and Ben, after she, okay, so she wins 2018 US Open, and obviously she won it last year as well. But in between that moment she had, I mentioned this on the air today, when she had to play Coco Golf and Coco did not play a good match on Arthur Ashe Stadium, mm. everyone was putting that up to be a great match. And it was not that, that she, that she was so empathic that she understood, she saw Coco crying, knowing that, Coco had 
you know, disappointed herself and just wanted to crawl into a hole. And Naomi encouraged Coco to speak. Mm, Naomi encouraged Coco to give it. When you, when I think back at all the gentle, gracious things that Osaka has known to do through the years, and to now to now get the sense that she's broken. And again, I, I definitely think she'll come back, but she needs to she needs to go away. She needs yeah. she needs she needs time. She needs space. I was uh, at the Rio in preparation for the Rio Olympics, the last Summer Olympics. I really wanted to, I was pitching myself to go to the Brazilian Amazon. Because, hmm. yeah, right? And, <laughs> and uh, they picked some guy named Tom Brokaw instead to make that uh. trip. And, I mean, go figure. But I was doing a deep dive, of course, uh, on it. And I read about this indigenous tribe in the Brazilian Amazon. They have a saying, uh, when you follow the crowd, you lose yourself. But when you follow your soul, you will lose the crowd. And then it goes on to say, eventually your soul tribe will appear, but do not fear the process of solitude. Hmm. That's I, all I hope now is that Naomi stays with her soul tribe, finds it, builds it, you know, uh, get, gets a good team of people around her that really understand her and understand her needs, you know? Yeah. I mean, we could all yeah. use a soul tribe. Yeah, and it's you know it's it's just tough because she's been she's been I completely agree with that and I she's been sort of soaring so quickly. I mean, this came this letter I think also copy of it came maybe the same day or at least the same week as this report from a company that she'd made fifty five million dollars in the last year by their estimate, you know, and that's that put a lot more spotlight on her too. And that's and that's a lot. That's she's accelerating her sort of earnings at an incredible you know breakneck kind of pace or maybe brain breaking kind of pace, you know and. Hopefully it's a tough time to have to hit pause for her, you know, mid French open, obviously. And then with Wimbledon very close on the horizon and with the Tokyo Olympics of all things in her career, which is the once in a lifetime kind of thing for her. And then, I mean, what stressful time of the season for her, let's face it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that has to be a factor too, you know, and, and, and especially because she's holding herself to such incredibly high standards. I mean, I did hear from, people that she did take her her one recent loss on hard courts which was to maria sakari in miami when i think she had a chance of reclaiming number one at that tournament and she took that mm-hmm. pretty pretty hard and maybe and you know maybe it's tougher too of seeing i'm just speculating here but seeing barty you know solidify her hold number one and have a good clay season and Naomi's falling back a bit from that and feeling like she's not playing well and and if she feels like she's nothing less than per- perfection is being accepted by people who are ho- holding her up as this you know superhero when she, inside yeah. she still just feels like that you know shy 16 year old looking at her phone to avoid serena williams's eye contact in the locker room which is how she used to talk about being there you know then, yeah uh, and, and yeah. mari her sister i i once i once read i've never even spoken to mari i've never even met her but i remember reading one time she said that there are times when naomi puts on her headphones and she's not even playing music she's yeah. just trying to escape you know because there's plenty of noise inside her own head yeah i mean that's that says a, uh, an awful lot. Yeah, no, I think she ah, said that. It was too. a tough yeah. day. Man. It was a tough day. Yeah. So first and foremost, hope that Naomi gets the help and the space and the time that she needs to get herself back to a better place. You know, and that's just as a person, regardless of you know, athlete, player, you know, champion stuff can come second, and certainly you know, a spokesperson can come come much later in that process. 
how, yeah, I, I don't know if that when how that impacts with Tokyo in in August coming up. Um, so on, on a separate on a separate sort of side question, Merrick. I know these people are still talking about Tokyo as sort of an if. What are you, what is your what are your what are your thoughts on that? It seems like from people from like agents I hear they're very confident it's happening. From like journalists and like health experts, they seem to be like, no, no way, you know. So uh, the health experts don't want it. The IOST no. is demanding that it happen. Um, yeah. I'm supposed to leave on July 18th. Uh, opening ceremonies are July 23rd. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I'm assuming that it, I, I'm, I guess I have to assume that it's going to happen. Uh, the woman in charge of uh, NBC Olympics, Molly Solomon, I asked her a couple of months ago, we were making all these, having all these meetings and stuff. I said, wow, you're acting like this is absolutely going to happen. And Molly said, it's not a question of if, it's a question of how. No. And I think both NBC and the IOC are pushing forward that way. Um, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I just don't know. Uh, what a time. I guess, I guess for, certainly from an NBC perspective, you have to be ready for it. If it happens, you know, canceling is much no. easier than be, it's, being unprepared. is not really, you know, an option yeah. if it does happen. So you might as well prepare. Exactly. And the IOC gets all the, uh, gets all the TV though. So of course yeah. the IOC wants it to happen. I mean, Japan's going to take it in the teeth, any way you look at it. I think. Yeah. Um, and they're again, they're the, the they haven't done a good rollout of the vaccines there, and there's all kinds of reasons why I wouldn't blame athletes if they have hesitations about it. Um, I just don't know. But I'm right now, as of right now, I'm assuming I'm I'm going. So yeah. hey, can I ask you you? I, again, I, I, I left, I had to, <laughs> I needed a drink after today. Yeah, I didn't hang around for, I didn't hang around for um, that. What was it? A press conference that the muckety muck from FFT gave? Can you yes. talk about that? So, yes. So during the Serena match, the FFT announces that Gilles Moraton, who's the new president of FFT is going to come in and do, um, is coming to the press room in 15 minutes or something. And he comes in, he sits down, he makes a statement yeah. in French, he makes a statement in English, and actually I can put audio of it right here. First and foremost, we are sorry and sad for Naomi Osaka. The outcome of Naomi withdrawing from Roland Garros is unfortunate. We wish her the best and the quickest possible recovery. And we look forward to having Naomi in our tournament next year. As all the Grand Slams, the WTA, the ATA, the ATP, and the ITF, we remain very committed to all athletes' well-being and to continually improving every aspect of players' experience in our tournament, including with the media, like we have always strived to do. Thank you. Okay. Riveting, riveting stuff. And then he <laughs> picks up and in the press room, it's like virtual press room looks like it probably has, I'm going to estimate like probably 30, 40 people. And it was, it was a lot of people showed up for this, obviously. And then he sort of gathers his paper and gets up and leaves. And the irony of not taking <laughs> questions after the Naomi Osaka standoff is unbelievable. Wait, and, and he looked unironically. I mean, he, he, were he, he, people he, trying to stop him and ask questions? I don't know if it was. I mean, you know, it's it's a Zoom, so there's no one in the room, and I I, I assume I don't know 100, percent but I assume somebody's hand was raised or someone was waiting at least to say, 
we will now take questions or something. I was certainly ready for there to be questions, you know, and, and. Was Can I ask you what you were going that. to ask him? Well, I was certainly ready for, I mean, I wasn't writing the story today, but I, if I had asked him, I would have asked him something more along the lines of like, just, you know, to elaborate on why this idea of not doing press and remaining in the competition is, is so untenable. I think that's been a question people have had. That's something that I would want to see him explain again for people why why the Grand Slams came down as hard as they did on that. And that's I think that's a question he would have been comfortable with because it's pretty much what the first statement you know says in some level. Um, but mm-hmm. was, that's sort of a thing I, w- I would have liked to have heard. And if they ever did have any conversations with Naomi, it would have been other questions too. Like were they? Because it's one thing they said in their in their statement uh, on Sunday that they had tried reaching out to Naomi and not been successful in starting a a dialogue with her. And I still don't know that they ever really were to their satisfaction before she pulled out today. So well, it sounds like there was just chaos in, in amongst the Osaka squad. Right. I mean, that ball club, it just sounds like the whole thing was a mess. Yeah. They were, I think they were sort of of caught, I guess probably unprepared for this. Obviously I mean, because this was unprecedented in a lot of ways, this, this last few days, you know, the plot lines of this, but yeah, but uh, that at least today, at least today, I think they got the message on today's message right i think the, i think that was a very you know full as not the word used for satisfying but uh, you know a more edifying way of way of explaining you know her headspace and what she's been going through and what 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 is the issue what isn't the issue you know like you said it, may, it sort of made amends for some of the, the media slights because the media was getting it pretty rough from people in terms of in the public in terms of it's becoming a referendum on on media so right um the and, tennis and media, which, which is which is small too and that's the thing people i don't know if they really appreciate like when when we in the tennis media you know basically everyone on the sort of our group chat is kind of that's it <laughs> like there's not really more that many more people you know who are who qualify as the in our minds who naomi's talking about you know so it's very it was impossible not to take that personally yeah i think i think that's exactly how a lot of us felt yeah. i gotta tell you ben you know what my, the greatest press conference I ever went to was? Svetlana Peronkova, mm. uh, very clever player. Very. She beat Venus Williams. She actually beat her a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But she came into the press one time, and she was so damn happy that she'd had, she played great and just really tripped up Venus. And, and uh, you know Peronkova. You know what she's yeah. like anyway. She's, she's pretty cool. She's very smart. But she was so overwhelmed with happiness that she somebody asked her you know what what she was feeling you know just your standard general open up the press conference question and she said oh the locker room everybody was everybody was coming up to me and and they were saying good done well job (laughs) that's my favorite moment Uh. in press ever (laughs) so i i ask you this to sort of to wrap up because i I think we covered obviously the, the mental health side of things. Hopefully, I mean, obviously, again, wishing Naomi the best. But this became a lot of this week became sort of a, a conversation. Some of it was referendum on press conferences, and that's been some of the of the columns that have been written off of this, like the one in the Guardian today by Jonathan Liu, which was sort of saying press conferences are the enemy. Um, here, you 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 are fairly unique among TV broadcasters in that you come to it, you pop into a decent number of press conferences when you're on site, when you're when you're able. To. At, at any time what, I can, I jump in there. What, yes. what do you what do you enjoy about them? What do you find? What and and is uh, on the flip side, I guess, are there things that you think need to be reimagined in the press conference experience? 
Well, I, I love going to, I mean, first of all, I've, I've got a lot of friends sitting in that room, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and so, and I love writing and I love writers. So, and I also want to be there. Sometimes I've got questions of my own, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you read the transcripts, you don't un always understand the tone of them, you know, and, and I, yeah. and that drives me a little crazy. I can't tell if someone's being sarcastic or glib or if they really mean what they're saying. I mean, I, I just, and I like hanging around. I mean, that's all I do. I just, I, I yeah. like that experience. I miss, I miss not being there. I mean, yeah. John McEnroe is calling the match with me. I'm in Stanford, Connecticut, the nutmeg state. And John is in his house <laughs> at Malibu. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're talking about the French Open. Um, I, I like, I like our community and I, and I want to be a part of it. Um, and I think it's, I think it's important to to be there. I want to I want to know these people. I want to I want to see what they're like. You know. No, and I again, I, if, I I the idea that press conferences should somehow go away. Then what are we left with? You know. We're left with because a lot, a lot of TV. You know, a lot of TV interviews are so fluffy. I mean, mm. there it's just uh, puffball questions and. You know, uh, there are things you can get on the court while the athlete is still sweating. That it, that's good. You know, um, but you know, if you want to go deeper, I think you got to be in that room. Yeah, I think we. I think they exist to get. You know, they're not perfect. I'm sure not every press conference is is necessarily illuminating, but they they could be. They can be if you know if if the sort of right frequency is hit from both sides of the podium, and. If you know, and it's how you learn about people and how how the I think the fans and sort of consumers don't always appreciate how much of what they know about these athletes comes from, you know, exactly. that work, that work and that that process and that extraction and how many, you know, different stories or and things of like that are explored. And, and certainly it's something I did when I first came on tour. I went to so many. I went to pretty much every time they announced almost anybody at the beginning. I was I would go try to get to get yeah. a sense of people. Um, I haven't met to but any person. person. You know, but, but Ben, that's important. And I know there have been many, yeah. many conferences over the years where you and Courtney are about the only people in there. For sure. And, and, <laughs> I mean, no, but true. that's why, but that's how you gain, that's how you gain an athlete's trust too. They know and that you. Part, they, and that part's being eroded as well. I mean, like that's, you know, obviously I, there's, this is something that's really a problem with, um, or uh, yeah, I'll say, a problem during the COVID era, especially we're not in the room with these people ever. And even like Wimbledon, I'm still not sure if I'm going to Wimbledon, which is crazy because it's June. But um, if I do go to Wimbledon, as it as they say, or as it's sort of written, you will not be able to get face to face with the athletes or coaches at any point. You're going to be completely, you know, walled off from them in terms of, and, and doing your press conferences from the same building, but on, you know, different Zoom screens. And so and I feel like that will, you know, meaningfully, you know, that does meaningfully hurt the the relationships there and then the understanding. Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like it's been a, a you know a great, you know, high watermark time for, for sports writing or sports journalism during the pandemic is just cause you, cause the distance oh. is there. And, and, and I certainly feel disconnected from the tour, you know, and from Naomi, I was thinking that, you know, actually a little bit earlier today, like I sort of feel like, Oh, I know Naomi, but also I haven't seen Naomi and, you know, in person and, you know, had any casual conversation with her. It's something Courtney talked about too. Like when I was talking with her offline about this, you know, we're so used to the, just the most, imp sometimes the more important part of getting a read on the person is what happens, you know, before and after the press conference, just as they're sort of sitting down or getting up and in the hallway or whatever else. And everything, Dancing in the hallway. everything I mean, now it's, yeah, now it's just sort of very wham, bam. And then you get remuted 
you know, like if you ask a question and then you're back on mute and that, and that's it. There's no, it's, it's very unspontaneous and very inorganic. And I mean, how, uh, if that's what it is, how are we supposed to do a good done well job? <laughs> I don't think we can. I really, you know, I, I don't think anybody's coming up to us saying that right now, which is just, it's just frustrating. So, yeah. Svetlana Parankova though was a good good Zoom guest when I had her on the on the show. Back to she made US Open quarters. She's fantastic. She's great. And by the way, I'm not making fun of her English. Her English is is oh, it's yes, yeah, it's, it's it's good. It's very. As people have heard her know. She was just excited. That's <laughs> yeah, my point. Exactly. But I was so glad to see her. I mean, that was great. I mean, yeah. that's when that's when it no, comes and to and, and so many moments. I mean, like I know again, just sort of to get on the media, you know, defense side, and I'll we can stop talking about this for the rest of the tournament, hopefully. But, you know, so many people trot out the sort of low light things, you know, a lot of which I, some of which are in, you know, bad and inexcusable, you know, things like, and some of them are just kind of silly, like congratulating Mahoud on his loss, <laughs> things like that, that are sort of the infamous moments, but there've been so many more, you know, things that get trotted out of, you know, little, little humorous things like that, that from all the sort of top players of, you know, that, that that come from that that space so i, I just don't like this, it's been very easy for people who aren't there to dismiss and even sometimes people who have exactly. been there occasionally but aren't really in the fold to dismiss you know the whole thing is as, as being as something that should be blown up when i think it really has a lot more it served a purpose at the very least for a long time and and that's that's, right. it's part of what made us has made us get closer to and appreciate the sport both as a consumer and as a as a person in the in the room yeah Anyway, as thank you for being in this room, Mary, on, uh, oh. on short notice on, on, on what was, again, a bummer of the day, because it definitely did. Like you said, I've never heard McEnroe be that uh, that quiet for extended yeah. periods of an NBC broadcast. So that was different um, as we got to watch, yeah. I don't know, Muguruza and Kostiuk or whatever else was happening over his silence. But thank you also for your support of NCR as a, as a Patreon Slam Champ backer at that time of the show. Yeah, absolutely. And I, get absolutely. and I get to thank you here. Uh, and others, including Susanna W., Sean Mulroy, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Jean Simeon, James Hindle, Audrey Wellens, Antonio Maycumber, Anna Valinder, and Timothy Liu, and our GOAT backers, Mike Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver, yep. girl, and J.O.D. Thank you very much, Mary. And uh, enjoy. That's your soul you, 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 that, That's your soul that is our soul tribe, leading us out of the out of the wilderness for sure. Uh, you, you're you're back in a few days on uh, on NBC. Is that right? What's your sort of schedule? For, yeah, for I'm working on a real you? sports story in the middle of this week and next week, and then I uh, okay. we're back on Saturday and Sunday. Exclusive night coverage on the Peacock. I'm happy to tell you. I'm all My over the Peacock now. My mom does not get the yeah. Peacock. Oh man. So, sorry, mom. I'll I'll speak up. I'll, I'll and then we're back again for the last four days of coverage as well, on on the various platforms of of nbc well there you go and good luck with yeah. that good luck with hopefully getting to uh to tokyo and and everybody yeah. and everybody and, and just staying it does seem like there's sort of a a light at the end of the tunnel it's 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 a smaller light than you'd hope for it sometimes it's not not you know not casting a great amount it's, you can't read by it let's say that but uh <laughs> it's uh at least sort of flickering somewhere in the in the distance giving yeah, us a little warmth but some at least hope which is maybe the most important flame that's right yeah. That thing with feathers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ben. Thank you, Mary. Talk to you soon. Day and night, and all I do is dreaming. Basic seeking, staring on the ceiling. I wish I had the answers. I wish I had the courage to know. Everybody's talking about the reasons. All I wanna do is find the feeling. I wanna feel the power. I wanna go to places I don't know. If there's a light, then we have to keep dreaming.